or I'm going to remind you today that the Lord's Prayer is not a magical prayer. It's not something that we should just recite before ball games. It doesn't have any magical powers. It's a model prayer. It's a template on how to pray. This is Jesus' response to the disciples asking, teach us to pray. And remember, they could have asked Jesus to teach them how to do anything. But the only thing that they asked him to teach them how to do was talk to God. Teach us how do we talk to God. And last week we focused on the first half, the beginning of the prayer. And if you're taking notes, you can start now. The, the first half of the prayer is really about God's glory. It's all about God's glory. Jesus teaches them to address God, first of all, as Father. That's who we're talking to. To those united with Christ, it's a reminder that we've been adopted as a child of God into his family. He's a good father, compassionate, loving, forgiving. We also saw last week that Jesus began the model prayer by saying, Hallowed, Hallowed. No, Scott, Scott and I have this debate. See, I grew up in a church where when we said the Lord's Prayer, we said Hallowed. Scott has told me and showed me in the dictionary that the proper pronunciation is Hallowed. Hallowed. So up north, we add syllables. Down here, you guys, y'all take away syllables, right? So anyhow, however you pronounce it, the point is that we are to request God make his name, his glory, significant in our heart. That we would treasure him above everything else in this world. And then we're supposed to pray, your kingdom come. In other words, let your reign, let your rule come into my heart. That I would be submissive, that I would be like Jesus saying, not my will, but your will be done. And that that kingdom would spread and would manifest itself throughout the world. And so the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, he makes it crystal clear that prayer is not about our comfort. It's not about asking God to give us a comfortable life. It's about his glory. It's about his name, his fame. So that's the first half of the prayer. The second half of the prayer, Jesus is going to be highlighting today that we ought to be utterly dependent upon God for everything. It's about dependence. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into the second half of the prayer. Father, you are a good Father, compassionate. You sent your Son to die in our place so that we could have newness of life, forgiveness of sins. You've not only saved us from our sins you've adopted us into your family and so we thank you for that we ask that you would help us to treasure you above everything else in this world that our hearts would would call out to you and cry out to you abba we would long for you more and more we would see the significance of the gospel you'd open up the eyes of our hearts to see your glory today in your word we would store it in our hearts so that it would strengthen us in times of temptation. I pray that your kingdom would come, that we would be submissive more and more to your word. Not our wills, but your will be done. That we would trust in your provisions. And that we would forgive others that are indebted to us and that you would help us to endure temptation and trials. For your glory, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, so we pick again up. I'm going to start in verse 1, even though we're going to really focus in on verses 3 and 4. Verse 1 of chapter 11 in Luke. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. All right, so let's break this down. Starting in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. What does he mean by that? You may notice a footnote in your Bible. that This verse can be translated, give us each day our bread for tomorrow. That, that word daily is a very rare word in Greek. It's not used, uh, it's, more, it's used twice in the New Testament as all. And so it's challenging to understand what it means. But one interpretation could be, give us each day our bread for tomorrow. And this is his point. His point is, look, every single day we should be praying for God to provide for our basic needs so that we're not worrying about tomorrow. Every single day we should be dependent. Notice doesn't say give each give us each day our daily dessert right he doesn't say we ought to be praying every single day for that bigger house nicer car bigger promotion that we should shouldn't be praying every single day that other people would love love who we are and and that, that our name would be great give us each day our daily bread give us each day what we need the basic necessities of life is what he's talking about here god has designed us to be needy from the very day we're born we rely on other people for survival and so god being a good father he cares deeply both for our souls and for our bodies our physical bodies matthew 6 26 look at the birds of the air jesus says They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You go back to the Old Testament, there's a great illustration of what Jesus is trying to teach here. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites are wandering in the desert after the Exodus, God cared for his people by providing bread from heaven. It was called manna. It's interesting because God required them, the Israelites, to only gather enough. So bread would fall, same time every day, bread would fall. But he said, look, you can only pick up enough for today. The only exception was the day before the Sabbath, where they were told to pick up a double portion so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath day. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, God explains why he set up that rule. He said, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I mean, think about the temptation. This bread comes down, and every single day the temptation would be to gather more than you need, because what if tomorrow God doesn't send the bread? What if tomorrow it doesn't rain bread for us? That was the temptation, and so God is testing them Will you trust me to provide for you? Will you be obedient to my law? 
God's teaching them to rely fully on his provision, to to be dependent on him every single day. See, God does not desire you to think of him as a shrink that you go to once a week on Sundays to meet your needs. God desires to be the first option, not the last resort. He's a God that desires to commune with you every single day at all times during the good times and the bad times. One of the biggest markers of maturity in the Christian life is your level of dependence on God through the good times and the bad times, regardless of the circumstances. Now, in John chapter 